As I've mentioned several times in talking about this session, I am of the firm conviction that what is going to be addressed today is one of the key holdbacks in truth really finding root in many people's lives, and I think one of the key problems of why churches continue to have struggles. And so I want to challenge, first of all, every pastor here, I trust you'll leave this session with a commitment that no matter what it takes, by the grace of God, you're going to address this issue and ask God to help you lead your people to transparency and yourself and to believe that even with some of the difficulties you may go through, to see victory in people's lives in the area of these addictions is worth it, and it is our role as a shepherd. I would like to say to every man here that you, if you're struggling, and most men have some level of struggle, that you will listen closely to what's being said and not fear, as Dr. Jim talked about last night, to be open in the appropriate way and to genuinely Look to the Lord for full victory. By the way, God is able to do that. And uh, to follow your pastor in this matter of genuinely addressing these issues. Wives, I would like to challenge you to listen closely. To be willing to let your husband tell you the problems at the appropriate time that he's having. And not to cause a marriage problem. I can tell you some of the problems that you're having is because these, need to, these situations need to be dealt with. We need godly women in this difficult, and uh, we'll be addressing some of that, but I just want to encourage you to just tell the Lord, I'm willing. I want, I want to see our family free, I want my husband free, and I want our church free. And I'm saying that very seriously as a pastor. I've counseled many. And then every woman here, women are not exempt. This is first and foremost addressed to, to men here. But uh, God is able to give victory to ladies also. I want to encourage every parent here not to be afraid to have your children open up with you. And for you to receive them with love and to get the help needed and not, uh, not react to them. It is vitally important that you biblically uh, help them along and make it to where they can communicate openly and honestly with you. And finally, to the young people here, I would encourage you, if you're struggling, and many young people do, do not leave this time without having a very clear plan of uh, dealing with this and seeing God work. Now, that was a very serious introduction I just gave you, but that's from the depths of my heart. God wants to do a great work. So I'm going to uh, have uh, Brother Joe Mueller is going to come, and he and Zach Reed have worked very hard on putting the Renew series together, and uh, he's been a real blessing on all that he has done. So he's going to come and share, first of all, uh, what the Lord is doing. It has been exciting over the last year a little over a year to be a part of this project and see what God is doing and we've been making a lot of progress we've been talking about it here at the conference now this is uh, the third year we've talked about it and uh, we've we've been working on things and so I want to start before we actually jump into an overview of what God's been doing I want to start just by letting you see a little bit of the work that's been done and so we're going to play a quick video here that just um, 
pieces together a whole bunch of things, and so I hope it'll be an encouragement just to give a little taste of what's happening, the tenor of, of the message that's being given and the work that's being done. So we'll play that, and then we'll come back. I'll tell you, friends, we have a problem, and I think we all know it deep down. 70% they say of all evangelical men in evangelical churches on a Sunday morning are struggling with sexual addictions. Several Bible colleges I've talked with would say 90% of the young men studying for the ministry have had some failure when it comes to viewing pornography. I think we could have an enormous influence in our culture right now if 70 or 80% of the men in our churches weren't neutralized due to their sexual morality they're practicing in their lives. As though we're ignoring this thing as the white elephant in the room, and it cannot be ignored any longer. When we encounter the battle with moral impurity, we're not just dealing with a lure, we're not just dealing with bait, we're dealing with an enemy who's declared war on our soul. He deadens a man. He can, he can strip him of hope. He rewires that which God has designed, causing him to think something that is completely contrary to even reality. And they're going to have to be aware. Where's he going to come from? He wants to keep you from having the very thing that makes the Christian life so satisfying. He said to me two words that changed the rest of my teenage years. She's gone. My world was shattered. It was destroyed. That verse doesn't say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall be pure. It's blessed are the pure in heart, for then they have an opportunity to see God. Jesus Christ is both the end and the means of our purity. Many times we can feel like we've got to have just more willpower to somehow overcome these besetting sins. But the power to change is actually inside of us. The power for change is Christ in you. The spirit that dwelleth in you, he's pulling for you. He wants your victory more than you do. And here's the key to it all, humility. You absolutely cannot do this thing alone. You got yourself into this by being a male. You'll get yourself out of it by being a man. And a man takes responsibility for his actions and his habits. He's not looking for conformity. Jesus is looking for the heart. He wants the person, he wants the man. He doesn't want your purity, he wants the man. Jeff, I didn't just buy you at Bible college. That's not the you I bought. He said, I bought all of you. That is all mine. I gave my son and he shed his blood for that past. His thoughts toward us are precious. In fact, they're so precious that he wants to set us free. He intends for all of us to, with freedom and life and liberty, completely fulfill God's intentions, whether that's for purity or for the rest of your life. Not only is victory possible, it's where God wants you to go. You don't have to stay in bondage. You don't have to stay bound up and enslaved to this stronghold in your life. God's bigger than that. God wants two to become one. And when there's openness and the Spirit of God can work, two are joined together by the powerful glue of God. They think alike. They begin to move together. They begin to have purpose together. It's not about you. It's never been about you. It's about God using you remarkably, His grace changing you, enabling you so you can help others.
Well, that hopefully gives you just a little bit of a taste of all that's been happening over the last year uh, as we've been uh, really just going full, full force on this project. I want to take a few moments here just to, as we think about what God's doing here with the Renew Project to really share some of the way that God has been moving, what God has been doing. See, doing a purity series like this wasn't really our idea. Um, we never thought we would do something like this, but God wanted us to do it. And every time as we, go, as we get to the next step of this project, at every turn, we face our inadequacy right there. And we feel like we were completely insufficient to this task, but at every turn as well, as we've looked to the Lord, we've seen his incredible sufficiency leading us along, providing for every need, and guiding us in every step. I'd like to take just a few moments and think of a few of those ways, and I don't have time to consider everything that, that the Lord has done. But it was during the 2021 Victory Conference when Pastor was actually up on the platform and uh, just crying out to the Lord, and the Lord clearly spoke to him and said, take an offering for a purity series. And so we did. <laughs> and God used that conference to, to show his hand was in this idea of a purity series as $50,000 was taken up in that offering, and uh, we considered it a mandate from God. Okay, we're supposed to do this thing, though we felt, I have no clue what to do. What are, what, what are we supposed to do next? Uh, I remember sitting in a meeting after that conference, and pastor looked at me and said, Joe, you need to find a production company. I said, okay, um, where do you find those, is what was running through my mind. <laughs> Uh, I knew we needed one. I knew that this scope of this project was far beyond the, the, the things that I could do. And, and so we began to pray about, Lord, would you lead, lead us to the right people? And I began to look around and wasn't finding much that I felt very um, confident in. And just saying, Lord, would you lead us? Uh, and we need someone who's going to take a big project on a low budget and uh, do something high quality that, uh, but also has a spiritual understanding of what we're trying to do. That seemed like a really tall order to me. And the Lord put it on my heart, said, well, why don't you contact this guy, someone I knew who in the past had done video production work. And so I, I just contacted him. I said, uh, do you, here's what we're trying to do. Do you have any ideas? And he right away texted back with a contact information and says, this is your guy. And so I got in contact with the company called Realcast Productions and began to talk with them, try to lay out who we are, what the project was, what our burden was, ideas we had on budget limitations and those things. They began to tell me a little bit more about them and their background and who they are and their passion. And, and as we talked through those couple of conversations, I began to sense that God was in this connection. Beyond just, oh, this is a good production, that they do nice work, which they do very nice work. There was something more to it than just that. And to make a long story short, the owners of this production company, John Clay and Sarah Burnett, they had a deep burden. As I said, hey, we want something. They said, we've been wanting someone to do a project like this. Something on this topic, because the journey to having victory over pornography was a part of their story as a couple. And they, as we got with them, we had an initial meeting with Precious Stones and with us and with them together. We began to, to talk. We began to sense God is directing us. He's knitting our hearts together, our perspectives together. There were so many things that they understood where we were coming from. 
and uh, they, they had a burden, and we saw this is, God is in this. And so we began to move forward with them, and then we had, uh, of course, the second offering last year, 50,000, launching us full scale into production. And so in May, we began to, to film the core teaching content. We saw God's favor there in so many little detail after little detail, locations and crew and, and audience members and all of those things. And then we began to plan for the filming of testimonies and expert interviews. That's all of those things, other, other voices. And we began to discuss, okay, what are the options we have there? Who do we want to ask? Who do we want to have be a part of this? And just asking the Lord for a wisdom, wisdom, who are the right people? And he began to provide that person after person. Whether it was God just continually bringing a name to mind, hey, we need to, we need to consider this person or one of our staff members someplace Someplace else ran into somebody and began to tell them about a project and said, well, this person needs to be a part of the project. It was just God leading us, God directing us, showing us what he wanted us to do in an amazing way. God continued to provide through various means for us to keep moving forward on the project. There's times when we didn't have a lot of finances coming in. We're just crying out to the Lord, and God would lead one of you uh, to call us and just say, how's the project going? We're praying for it. And that was a huge encouragement. It was what God knew we needed in that moment to keep continuing to believe him for, for his work in this project. And I've had the opportunity now to go through all the material that we've recorded, over 36 hours of teaching and interview. And uh, I am super excited about what God's put together in this resource. Just a couple of weeks ago, we met together for three days uh, to tr try to go through all of the transcriptions of that content, to try to cut things down and begin to put episodes uh, together in a, a rough a rough layout of where things were going to be. And we've said this so many times, but this is God's project, not ours. And we believe that, and we're working hard, we're putting in a lot of sweat and a lot of tears, but God is doing the work, a work that we can't take credit for ourselves, and we're certainly thankful for that. So over the last year, to kind of give an overview of the project, over the last year, oh, we've had hours spent in development of the layout of the series, and so that's the scope of the material, the sequence of the truth, what was going to be uh, presented. Brother Visser put in a lot of time, and then together we spent a lot of time with that, doing that. Hours of then of detailed planning and scheduling and content refinement, uh, getting things ready. It's not easy to present things to a camera, right, Dr. Jim? <laughs> and uh, we, we got an audience for him, so he was doing okay. But it takes, it, it's, it's a different feel, but, but getting prepared for that and then actually doing that, we shot those 36 hours of teaching content, uh, of expert interviews, testimony interviews, seven different states we traveled to to do all of that, and, um, and then as well, hours of what we call B-roll footage, so that's some of the other things that plays over top and transitions and those type of things, and that'll be part of the different stories or testimonies that are told throughout the, uh, throughout the series. Major work has been done on an initial draft of the workbook that will go along with the video series. And we've also been able to, to have a rough layout now of the 14 episodes. So still ahead for us to accomplish. And this is even, even this week, things are happening with the production company. We're moving into post-production, uh, which is very exciting. We're now taking all the footage that, that's been, been shot, and we're let's actually take and now start to put this into actual episodes uh, that, that can be put, taking those pieces, pulling it all together. And that's going to be a several-month process as we work on that to bring that together. We still have some final filming to do for some conclusions and giving action steps, some group leader training, things like that. And then once the episodes are locked in place, which hopefully by the end of the summer, we should be close to that at least, um, then 
then there's a lot of finishing work to do to bring it to the point of delivery, audio work and, and graphics and color and music. Uh, we're going to be music composing going on for this project specifically. There's still continued development of workbooks to be done for men, for singles, for ladies, uh, journals, other resources. And then we, of course, have to develop the content delivery platforms, the DVDs and streaming, and we're going to have both of those options available for that. And so that's kind of where the project is at. Um, I want to answer just a few common questions that we've, that we've had as people have talked to us about the project. And again, I'm kind of the information guy here at the beginning. So, um, but a few common questions. And the first one is this, what's this going to look like in a local church? How is this going to play out? What are we envisioning? And I'm going to be right up front with you. We don't totally know exactly. All right. Uh, but we do believe the Lord's given us some, some direction in that and what we're, we're recommending and, and what we're moving, how we're trying to develop this. And I want to start by, by saying that as we look at this, we are, we are developing this purposefully for the local church because we believe that the local church is the God-ordained mechanism to tackle this issue. Amen. And so we're wanting to design a tool that's not something that goes around the church but that is really something put in your hands so that you as a church ministry can use that. And so we've tried to, from the very beginning, that's been a huge part of our burden of, as we're trying to put this together. And so the, the series is laid out to be done in 10 weeks, and there's flexibility to that, but 10 weeks, and it's 14 episodes. You say 14 episodes, 10 weeks, how does that work? Um, I know that's, this is math, but... Um, the basic thought is this, is that, that men or women would meet as small groups for nine weeks, and then the tenth week would conclude with a weekend uh, where the, they, they would come together as a couple uh, for that time to go through the final episodes together and discussion in that way. And again, there's flexibility. It wouldn't have to be done that way, but that's how we're envisioning and believe uh, it would maybe be the most effective. And so uh, this is designed to be used with small groups. We believe that is a powerful tool. It's, we've seen that reality in our own church, and we believe uh, in, in small groups. But also with that, the goal is, is to, through those groups, to point to the marriage. And so the small group is not the long-term answer. The marriage is the long-term relationship that God wants to strengthen through this. And so we want to use that small group to point to that marriage relationship and see it strengthened. And the material's designed, you could see this, you could even sense it in, in the, uh, the, the video that we showed. It's targeting men, and that's on purpose. Uh, we, men, we sometimes need just something that's in our face a little bit. And uh, so we wanted, we wanted that to have the focus, but I, I've kind of thought of it this way. Uh, this is a series for men, but ladies, you're welcome to come along too. And so it's targeting men, but women will be helped by the content, can gain a mutual understanding by going through that same material. And we're going to have women-specific material workbooks to help uh, with that so that you get that sense um, and, and have specific application and perspective that will help you as we're going through that. Uh, another question we keep on getting is when will this be done and how, and, uh, and how will we be able to get a hold of it? And uh, we have an intense production schedule to complete the project by the end of 2023, but that is our goal, to have it done by the end of 2023. And so barring any foreseen, unforeseen challenges, uh, that's what we're hoping to reach. Would you pray with us about that? There's all sorts of stuff that could go wrong. And so we appreciate uh, your prayers. I know so many of you have prayed for the project to this point, and, and we have sensed that reality and ask you to continue to pray that so we can keep on schedule and keep moving forward so we can make it available as soon as possible. Our goal is to be able to, to host our first Renew Launch seminar early next year. And let me explain what I mean by that. See, if a church wants to use 
the Renew series, what we're going to do is ask you as a pastor to attend a training seminar along with any other leaders uh, that will be helping with that um, in your church. And here's why. When you begin to get serious about dealing with this issue of moral purity, it's going to get messy. Okay? We realize the Renew series is not a magic bullet that is going to come in and solve the problems uh, that your men have and solve the problem for your church. It's not. It really is a tool to help you open, help you open up the can of worms and, uh, and have direction in dealing with it. And so we want to do all that we can to help you understand the battle that you're entering into and to equip you with the tools and the resources that you need to effectively not just start to tackle this, but to effectively win in your church on this issue. And so we believe that this training time is going to be very important. Uh, we believe this tool can be a catalyst for revival in your church. Um, and that is our burden for it. But revival can be painful sometimes. And we're committed to doing all that we can to help you be prepared for what that means for you as a church and for you as a pastor. And so we're going to have a seminar. If you want to be a part of that, you want to use the Renew Series, then you'll need to come to that seminar and uh, to be able to, to have that. We also have a group of evangelists who are willing to come to your church uh, to do some initial preaching on this issue to maybe help jumpstart um, the, the launch of Renewing Your Church when that time comes, and that certainly is something that will be available to you. So if you're interested in being part of that that first launch seminar early next year, and we don't have a specific date yet, um, but early next year, and then there's a sign-up sheet at the Onda Victory Press table in the back, and certainly I'd encourage you just to sign up to say, hi, I'm interested, please send me the information, more specifics as that time comes, uh, but we'd love to have you all there. As pastors mentioned, um, the, where we're at financially on the project and, and what's needed there, about 87000 left to be able to, to as far as what needs to be paid to complete the project. And so we're praying for the Lord to continue to provide for that, thankful for what he has done. And uh, as we take offerings and, and you give to it, one of the questions that we do keep getting asked, and, and I understand this question, is um, do we get access to renew if we give? Um, or will I have to pay for it again beyond that? And, and I get that. I get that question. That's not a problem. And uh, as we're asking you to partner with us financially and seeing this accomplished. So we've talked about that a little bit. And this is really what we've, what we've, um, we've come up with. If, some, if, if you or your ministry gave, uh, gives $1,000, then, then you certainly would get either a DVD set or a year of the streaming plus a set of workbook and journals. So you would have that resource. If you want more beyond that, uh, then that certainly would be available for you to, to get. If you give $2,000, then we will actually... I sound like a salesman. I hate this. Um, all right, but $2,000, um, then you'd also get the seminar. Uh, the cost of the seminar would be covered as well for you, um, and so that would not be an additional cost uh, for your ministry, and so that would be a part of that. And so if you have questions about any of that, uh, any of, of what I've covered, uh, you can certainly feel free to see me or to see uh, Brother Zach Reed, and we're really kind of managing a lot of the details of the nitty-gritty of what's happening on the production side of things. And uh, it's, it's just encouraging and awesome to be able to be part of what God is doing. And uh, we're excited about the potential that this has. Um, I want to, there's another aspect of what this series is going to include um, that is going to be integrated, a resource that's going to be integrated right in with Renew that is not technically a part of Renew, but it's going to be, we're, we're using it, partnering with Satisfied Ministries and Brother Ryan Swanson um, on the key issue of accountability 
And so Ryan is going to actually come here and talk a little bit about that uh, to help understand how that piece is going to tie in and what exactly that is as um, we look to that part of the, the resource. All right, well, I'm excited about this uh, partnership with the Renew series from Satisfied Ministries, and I'll give you a little bit more background in a second. If you want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I want to discuss a little bit of where this has come from. As we go through this, there's, there's several principles I want to show specifically regarding accountability, and uh, it's probably going to sound like a, a shotgun because that's how it feels like inside my mind right now. So. I trust the Lord will um, uh, lead to exactly which things would be helpful at this point. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4, let me just give you a little bit of background uh, about how I came to this point. I think most of you have heard my testimony, 12 years in uh, pornography addiction and how the Lord delivered from that. Uh, my father-in-law has uh, given that story in a, a similar audience here. I like the way he tells it better, so uh, I won't regurgitate the whole thing. But... Um, the Lord used a, a confrontation when I went to ask for uh, Dr. Jim's oldest daughter, Stephanie Van Gelderen at the time, if, if, uh, if he would give his blessing on pursuing a relationship. Everything seemed positive until he asked, like every father should, uh, how my uh, purity journey was and how uh, he knew it had been something in my past. And, and uh, so he asked how that was, and I said, I wish I could say it was a past battle, but this is something I'm still wrestling with. And uh, he took two weeks to pray about that and got back to me, and he said, you know, if this is something that is still a stronghold in your life, I, I can't give you my daughter in this case. And so at that point, having prayed for her and being convinced for seven and a half years, which is not required in courtship, by the way. <laughs> it's not. Uh, but after praying for that long and then uh, getting a no for a very good reason from, my, um, from Dr. Jim. Um, at first, it kind of led me into a spiral of just discouragement, more discouraged than I'd ever been. But thankfully, the Lord reached down and instead changed that to a desperation for him. And it was in the, uh, it was right during the COVID shutdown. I was under a two-week quarantine and um, a time of isolation that generally could be very, very dangerous for someone who has a propensity towards uh, isolating into an addiction of any kind. But instead, the Lord gave grace, and I spent each morning uh, at Lake, Lake Michigan um, watching the sunrise and crying out for the Lord for deliverance. And uh, I felt like at that point, as many in this room and many in our churches feel like that uh, I'm the only one struggling this way. Uh, I'm, I'm the only one that uh, has tried everything. You hear a message on faith and you try it and it doesn't work. So then you hear a message on prayer and you try it and it doesn't work. You hear a message uh, on reading your Bible, you try it and it doesn't work. Memorizing your Bible, try it and it doesn't work. Accountability, try it, it doesn't work. Confession, try it and it doesn't work. And we're trying all these quick fixes for a, a deep, deep heart issue. Nothing was working. And so I came to the last place, and I was crying out for Jesus. That's it. Instead of seeking for him like he would give me an answer, and I'd run with it, it's, you, you're the answer. I'm not leaving here without you. Amen. And from that time of, of weeping before the Lord, passages like this, and specifically this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, started to, uh, started to make sense and, and come alive to me. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse number 9. We're just going to read a few verses here. Verse 9 and, nine and 10. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Now, the interesting thing about this verse is at a first read, we're reading about falling, and you'd think it was a warning against falling, but it's not. There are other verses that discuss falling and warn against that, but this verse is specifically warning against being what? Alone. Woe to him that is alone when he falls. You know, many times we, we see victory just has to be a, a one and done. I was talking to somebody about this last night. We hear stories about when, when God does a special miracle of complete deliverance like this. And we think, my victory has to be like that, or I'm, it's, it's not victory. And so we stipulate the kind of miracle that God's going to do in our life. It's got to look like this. And if it doesn't look like this, if I, have, if I take one step back, if I have one compromise, then that's not victory. God's not doing anything. And we, can't, we come to God, and our faith in him is contingent upon the fact that his miracle has to look like what I want it to look like. I want it to be a miracle that makes it easy for me to find victory. I don't want to have to go through a 14-week series. I don't want to have to get in a group of, of guys and start getting honest about this on a daily basis. I don't want to do this. this is some, it's got to happen like that, or that's not victory. And you, you don't tell God what kind of miracle he gets to do. You get to trust, and it'll look different. It'll look different than others, and that's okay. What we're presenting both in the Renew series and then in my partnership with the uh, with the Cord app in this partnership is a means of facilitating the work that God wants to do in your heart. That's all. It doesn't work. Renew Series doesn't work. The Cord app doesn't work. They don't work. Jesus works. And we're trusting he's going to use these means in your life. Looking again at, at this passage, and uh, if the men have the PowerPoint, they can, uh, they can get the, the slides up there to begin that. They're working on it. That's okay. You have it in front of you. Woe to him that is alone. I want to discuss three issues, three problems that we have currently with what we think, think of as accountability, at least what it's always been in my life and any, pretty much any accountability I've heard of. I think three problems can be addressed from this passage. Number one is the idea of this aloneness. Now, the, the, the warning against being alone is not just be shoulder to shoulder with other people because every, every, at least every man in here knows what it's like to be sitting in a service, in a classroom, and to be bombarded with those fiery darts from the wicked one in your mind, and you can completely fall in your mind with people all around you. Have no idea. Are you alone? Well, not physically, but you are in your mind. See, being alone is so much more than being with other people, having them around you. The problem is that no one knows what's going on in here. What this verse is warning against, Solomon is, is, is instructing, you need to have people that know what's going on inside your mind. You need to have people that know everything that's going on. The other aspect about this with, uh, with aloneness is our accountability is often something we do maybe once a week. Now, we could talk about that it starts once a week, and then it's every other week, and then it's once a never. It just it fades out. But let's say it's once a week. 
If I'm accountable once a week, I'm alone for six days, and a whole lot can go down in six days. Generally, that starts with a smaller compromise the first day. I began to consider and think about the pleasure I had in a certain sin. And then the next day, maybe I'm actually uh, setting myself up for failure by uh, putting myself in a, a situation, being alone on the Internet or, or whatever it may be. The third day, maybe I just take a second glance at a billboard on my way to work. The third day, though, an ad pops up, and I'm clicking and following that. And by the time that, ne that the end of that week, I have progressively thought, well, I've already gone this far, so I might as well do that. I already have to confess this, so what's this? That's not that much worse. And our uh, logic in our mind is just completely takes us off the cliff because you were alone. You were alone on that first day. When you had a compromise, you could have communicated it, but you were alone. You fell in that compromise, and you had no one to help you up. You were alone. Accountability has to be more than once a week. It has to be daily, especially for those that are in the throngs of this addiction, of any addiction. It needs to be daily. So the first problem that we're seeing then with accountability is uh, that we're alone. And so the principle we want to follow as we uh, seek to present a platform to accommodate this would be the idea of being never alone. Never alone would be the first core principle that we uh, see here. Daily accountability, and we'll discuss when we finish on how we seek to answer these problems. Secondly, though, as we look back to our, our passage, woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to lie down there with him. For he hath not another just to air his grievances. No, it's to what? To help him up. Many times we don't even communicate enough to where we can be helped in our accountability. Our accountability is something like this. If I'm checking in, um, let's see, let's say Brother Ron and I are accountability partners. And so he calls me and says, Brother Ryan, how'd you do this week? And I say, well, Brother Ron, I did pretty well. I did pretty well. You know how much we can fit under pretty well? <laughs> you know, Ed, it, it's sad because I've done it. I've done it. And I, I've, said, I, I've said pretty well because, well, I did better than I did last week. And that's what it means. Or I say pretty well because I did better than I thought I would. Or whatever. Or I did better than what Ron's expecting. I don't know. But under that pretty well, I could cover so much. And so that communication did nothing. And whenever you have a lack of communication, you will have a lack of action every time. When I'm dealing with, with uh, men in purity and, and uh, specifically in accountability, and they're wondering, do I need to communicate this? This is a process I go through. Do I need to communicate? It seems like a small compromise. Do I need to communicate this? Here's the question. Are you content with living with that small compromise the rest of your life? Because if you're not, you need to communicate it. Whatever it is. Oh, it's so small. This is really not that big a deal. So you want to do that once a week the rest of your life? No. Then communicate it. When you have a lack of communication, you will have a lack of action. So the second problem we see with our accountability is there's no action, and it comes down to a lack of communication. Our accountability is far too subjective. So what we do is we have a scale, a scale of 1 to 10. And thoughts, viewing, self-gratification, when a guy checks in, he's given a number for each of those categories. It's surprising to see uh, how many steps you have to pass 
uh, how many ways of escape, you could say, or how many levels you have to go down before you are actually seeking out and viewing pornography. Someone might think, well, that's, uh, if, I, if I take a second glance, well, that's probably, an, if, if a 10 is absolute purity down to a zero uh, being complete failure and, and relapse, well, then a second glance at something, that's not that bad. Well, that must be an 8 or a 9 on the scale. It's not. It's not. If we were to look at Romans chapter 8, do you know what it says? For to be carnally minded is death. You look at James and he takes you through from the progression that begins in lust and leads where? death. Where does temptation begin? In the mind. To be carnally minded is death. But it doesn't say to be carnally minded could become death. It's like it already happened. When you consider something in your mind, you are even considering the the potential of following in a certain area. You have already allowed Satan into your heart, and the battle is as good as lost because you've considered it. And how many of us have thought that the victory comes by in that moment thinking, yes, this could be something that would be pleasurable, but yet we try to outweigh it with pros and cons. We're thinking, but it would hurt my marriage. It will hurt uh, uh, my, my testimony, my ministry. It'll hurt all these things. And we try to combat this battle with logic in our mind, and it's not one you will, you will ever win on a logical level. Why is it that no matter how many... Uh, uh, when we were stacking up the cons, those reasons against why we should not fall in this area, no matter how, uh, how much we outweigh it on this side, we will still fall so many times. It's not logical. And by doing that, by having this back and forth in your mind, you're giving Satan ground by considering it. Don't even consider it. To consider it on the scale, that's a nine. To set yourself up for failure, that'd be a seven or eight. And that might be where you're on the internet alone, but it might be something totally different. How about this? I'm driving uh, in the heat of the summer, and I, and at the corner of my eye, I can see on a side street a jogger coming down. Now, I know with, with my past, depending on the way, if it's a girl and she's not dressed well, then it could be a problem for me. Now, what I could do is glance just to see and check, but I'm not going to do that because I don't need to know. And so instead, here's what it would be. If I glance and check, and it's not even a girl, I'm still going to give myself a seven or eight because I set myself up for failure. I didn't need to check. There is so much freedom when you realize all these steps that we pass before we ever get to acting out and relapse. There's so many steps. That's a seven or eight. Five or six, that's second glance at something. Three or four, that's when something pops up, an unexpected temptation that you follow through with. And then uh, a one or two, or some will just say zeros, is when you actually search out and find pornographic material. That's the kind of scale that we go through. Now, the idea of it is not so that guys get caught up, was this a two or a four, or I can't remember which one it was. That's not the point. The idea is to communicate to actually, let's get honest and talk about the issue. You've probably heard uh, my father-in-law's uh, his, uh, message on the power of light in your life. And if you only let that light come down to something broad like I did pretty well, there's no light as deep as it needs to get. We need to be communicating on the deepest, deepest level. Communicate everything. So the second problem that we're answering is that there's no action. But then thirdly, as we go back to our passage here, and I'm really excited about this one, to be honest. Let's look at verse number 11. 
We'll read 11 and 12. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now you know where we got the name for the app, the cord. What is so unique about this illustration used of a threefold cord? You know, that's not often how we view discipleship. If you think of a cord, there, a threefold cord, there's three strands interwoven together. Which one of those strands is holding up the rest of the group, the rest of the cord? There's not one. Instead, what you find is an indefinite cycle of contributing to the strength of the group and depending on the, on the others for your strength. It is an indefinite cycle. No one has to arrive to be a help. Do you know, many, I was talking with someone about this last night. We waited so long for someone who had been through a pornography addiction to arrive and then come back and help the rest of us. Still waiting. You're not going to find it. If we wait for group leaders that have arrived, we will not accomplish the accountability that we need to. We will not be a help, the help that we need to be. Instead, we have an opportunity to get our, as soon as someone is seeking help in pornography, he has the opportunity to be encouraged to find someone else. Look for someone else. Get your eyes off yourself, as we saw in the video. Uh, Matthew uh, 5, 8 does not say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall be pure, or they shall be, have more peace, or they shall feel better. It's not about me. It's blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the minute that I have some kind of selfish motive on it, then even trying the, the means I'm trying to get out of my pornography addiction could be selfish. There are so many outside of our churches in secular culture that are wanting to be free from this truth, too, for selfish reasons. They want a better life. They want more peace. They don't want to be hung up. They want to, don't want to waste so many time. Whatever it is, good reasons, but not the primary one that we have. We have an opportunity to see God. And it is so helpful to, to a, a young person or to an adult who is seeking victory in this to say, you know what? You don't have to get victory just because it feels better. Because there's going to be a time when it doesn't feel better. And you're going to fall. Instead, you're going to get victory because of the opportunity you have to live for your Savior, to grow closer to Jesus. And evidently, though we're not meriting any kind of relationship with, with God by our actions, but evidently there is some special, uh, some special relationship that we can have that is not otherwise possible until we are pure in heart. So encouraging someone when they join a group, you know what, this isn't about you, look for someone else. Look for someone else. And you, I know that's hard for us to think because what if they're, they're, they're not right in their, their minds? I mean, there is the aspect of follow me as I follow Christ, but it's follow me as I follow Christ, not follow me after I followed Christ and I arrived. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's discipleship. And I think it's by no mistake that Solomon is the one that is writing these things to us. Think about that. Who has given us so much in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 on the strange woman, given us so much for purity is coming from Solomon. Now, in the guys that I have worked with the past few years, there's been some rough ones, but I've never come across anyone who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. No one. I haven't gotten to Salt Lake City yet, so we may have an issue when we get there, but 
has not reached that, that level. You know what? God can use someone like Solomon to inspire Scripture and be a help to billions. And don't you think he can use me with my past? And I haven't arrived. And don't you think he can use you and those in your church? We need to understand that if we are going to uh, see the matter of accountability happen like it's supposed to, we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves. We've got to encourage the, the men and the women to be seeking to, to reach others as well. Get your eyes off of yourself. So that's the cross discipleship that, that we see. Let's, let's turn over now and we'll look at just uh, some, some screenshots of the, of the app. This isn't what it's actually going to look like. These are just some mock-ups I did in the middle of the night as I was trying to get my son to sleep. So uh, if the guys have that, okay, this first section right here. So as you, there'll be three main sections that we're envisioning on this app. First off, as we move through this quickly, we have the cord, and that's where you interact daily. This is what it looks like. You see that button up there that says check-in. When you click check-in, it'll bring up a prompt. It'll give you, uh, in those three areas, thoughts, viewing, self-gratification, you're going to plug in a number and say exactly this is according to the scale, which you can bring up to reference. This is how I did. In, in that category, and then submit, and it'll say submit and record. It's so much easier to lie over a text than it is when your face is on the screen. So yes, we've, we've done it where we have, uh, you will send a video. It's something that's not live. They'll be able to, the rest of the group members will watch it on their own time, but it's a quick video with a timer on it so someone doesn't uh, send a 10-minute video that the other guys have to watch through. Um, but it's a timer on it, maybe 30, 45 seconds to take that and discuss. Yes, I had, I had an 8 here, 10 here, and then a 4 here, whatever it is. And here's why, and, uh, and here's my action steps so this doesn't happen again tomorrow. What we're doing is we're communicating each, each of those categories, and then the other group members will have an opportunity when they check in that night. This is once a day. You can set a reminder. The app will remind you. Time to check in. Um, but uh, they have the opportunity to reply to and help others as well as check in themselves. When I check in with all these different groups, by the way, we've been using a secular app for this uh, for the past two years. Before that, we did phone calls. When I first read this and during that time in COVID and realized well, I've got to be talking to somebody every day, then I, I had two guys I would call every day. Do you think that's very sustainable? That was hard. Now, it, it, it did it. The Lord used it. Don't get me wrong. It was awesome. It was what the Lord had for me at the time. But I thought, if this is going to grow, then we've got we've to do something different. And so we started using a secular app that looks kind of a similar layout to just that section right there. And uh, we had these different groups going. And so there's been somewhere between 30 and 50 guys over the past two years that have already been using this system on this secular platform. And uh, some ladies as well in, the, in their own groups. And these have reached in... in um, corners of the U.S. There's a guy in London who's been starting groups there from this same movement, so it's already been, uh, been, been spreading as well. But you'll notice also on there that you have a, a tab to check in with group A and group B. Everyone is encouraged. Start your own group. Find someone else. You know somebody else who could, who could have help with this. It may not be someone that came to you looking for help, but it may be someone that you could go to and say, hey, here's something God's doing in my heart. I wonder if he could do it in yours. How could I be a help to you? Let's start a group. Let's start doing this. And so you'd be able to check in in each of those groups, or there will be an option to check in and just send that to, to both groups that you're in as well. So then secondly, the, the second portion of this would be the my progress. You know, it's so easy when, we, when a guy has a, a, a dip at all, some kind of compromise, just to say, oh, I'm back to square one. I'm, 
and, and just to be discouraged and, and give up. To be able to see it on a graph, and this is, takes into consideration the numbers that you've been putting in over time, and be able to graph that out and say, no, God is doing a work in my heart. It may not be that quick and easy miracle I was hoping for, but on my purity journey, this is how you can see your progress on your purity journey and see how that's going. And you'll be able to see uh, the, the progress of your consistency as well, or you've been consistent and see how that relates, your consistency in checking in, and then be able to, to view the, the, uh, your group as well and averages and see uh, how your group overall has done. Moving on then, finally, to uh, the My Pyramid section and whatever we call this, the idea of it is that uh, as I have a, a group myself, and then uh, the members in my group are encouraged to, to also start a group, I'd be able to see those groups starting. Now, I cannot watch their videos. Those will be uh, secure to that group. However, there will be a score that's given to each of the groups. Taking It'll be an algor algorithm that takes into consideration the actual numbers as, they, as they've checked in over the last 30 days and average those together, and it will also average in the consistency of each one of the group members in checking in daily. That becomes their health for that group, their score. And so that as this grows into a purity movement, and I have uh, those under me that uh, I'm burdened for, but I can't necessarily be in all their groups, but I could see, oh, I've got a group there that's down to a, a 55 on their score. There's got to be something wrong. Maybe I'll check in with the, with the leader there and, and see if I can be a help at all. And so we're still able to, uh, to, to disciple, to help even those uh, beyond our immediate reach with this and be able to see that. Let me just mention as we finish up here that just like the Renew series, our burden with this app is that it would be a tool for churches to use, for singles, for married couples. By the way, an app like this could be something that is a trust-building tool in relationships. I'll tell you why. A conversation my wife, had, my wife and I had uh, at the beginning of our marriage, and I think anyone who's any kind of past an addiction like this needs to have this conversation, and that was asking her, what things do you want me to communicate with you? How far? Do you, do you want me to communicate every time it's a nine, every time it's a seven or eight? How far down the scale before you want to know and how, what things are you fine with as long as I just communicate everything to someone else? My wife, and we, we set the number, and she said there is so much uh, trust building that happens just knowing that you're telling somebody everything. Sometimes it's not always helpful for the wife to hear every little compromise. Sometimes it's just too much for her to handle. Um, a wife may want that initially, and whatever she asks for, guys, you're giving it to her. You're not stipulating how this trust building is going to look. That's on her. But if, uh, if she says, no, I, as long as I, I know you're checking on this group, then that helps me. That helps me. And if it gets to a point, you'll communicate with me, but I know you're telling somebody everything. Well, here's what we can do in the app. You will have the option to put someone as a kind of a backdoor burner email. If you, if you are seeking the backdoor and don't check in in a day, then she's going to get an email. So if she doesn't get that email, then she knows, she knows that uh, he's checking in with the group. This would be good for young people, and they can put in their parents' email. And so then if a young person doesn't check in, then their parent gets an email. All right? Things like this, that uh, because we're building this from the ground up, then we can put things like this in there that would be so, so helpful. Guys, we have, um, we have seen this deliver uh, in, in many ways in the past few years. Now, I'm not saying that 
Daily accountability is the only thing uh, needed for victory at all. But it, for many, it is one of the only things that is missing. We've tried so much, but this is so Bible. It is so Bible. And we could look at other areas. Uh, the uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. We could look at the iron sharpeneth iron. We could look at all these passages to see, no, this is what's supposed to be happening. And all we're doing is creating a platform to allow that to happen. Now, I'm excited about this, not just because of what it could do uh, locally here, but as we begin to uh, see this grow and see what could happen, there's a, a map the guys will put up, and this is just uh, with some countries that have already, or, or missionaries or some in different countries that have asked, as soon as you have this out, we're going to translate it and have it available to those in, in our uh, in our ministries as well. We've got a missionary in Brazil that's going to translate in Portuguese. Alonso Ibarra has already been translating some of our things into Spanish for Mexico. Uh, I mentioned the groups in London. They don't need an, a translation, maybe. But, uh, I wanna, but I want to leave you with one more thing. You see, you see there, there's another uh, in, in, uh, in Latvia, Lithuania, and Poland. And I've got to tell you something that just happened this morning that I was encouraged by. As I got out of breakfast, I got a phone call. And it was a business phone call. My wife and I are assistants at Fellowship Baptist Church in Taylor's, um, but we also have a drone photography business on the side. And uh, this, this was a business phone call from Houston, Texas, came up, and the guy said, uh, I've got a construction company I'm working with, and I need some drone photography for some progression on a housing development in your area there in Greenville. Can you help me? We settled on a quote. Everything was great. I was already praising the Lord for that. Uh, but then uh, he said, okay, I'm going to jump on your website, uh, on, on our, our business website, and, uh, and find your email, and I'll send you the, the information. He jumps on the website. When he does that, I get a notification on my phone saying you have a website build- visitor from, and I expected Houston, Texas. Instead, it said from Latvia. Whoa. And so I'm still on the phone with the guy, and I said, are you calling from Latvia? He goes, how would you know that? <laughs> and uh, so I told him, well, I, you're on the website. I can see it. He said, yes, I'm a missionary over here. I said, is that right? He begins explaining how he was in Houston, Texas, and was uh, burdened about that, the fact that uh, he wasn't involved in any discipleship. And so he had a couple of Latvian kids he had adopted, and the Lord told him, take your Latvian kids, go back to their home country and plant churches. And so he did. He went back there, and he's planting churches. And then he goes right into telling me all the addictions they're facing in their ministry. And I said, you're not going to believe this, but I'm just a few minutes out from a, from a session on something we're doing to help in situations like this, help in addictions. He said, I need that info. Amen. Last night, as I put this together, I thought, maybe I won't show this because I don't have anyone in mainland Europe. And then the Lord arranged that this morning. You know, as Brother Joe said, there are corners we come to in this. It's just like if, if we were going to put the brakes on at all, God's saying, I'm, I'm in this. This is my thing, not yours. And uh, that, is, that is so encouraging. We are on the edge of, of an absolute purity movement. If you don't think that you can help because maybe you haven't been through the, the addiction yourself, and so I don't quite understand it or whatever, pastors who have such a responsibility for leading your church in this, such a huge responsibility with 68% of church-going men, uh, regularly seeking out pornography, 50% of pastors, and then also 33% of our women, same thing. You think it was hard for me as a man to come out and admit I have a man's issue. How hard do you think it is for our women to come out and admit to what they see as I have a man's issue? 
we need to just as well be focusing and helping them out. I appreciate the fact that there's going to be material for them as well. This is something, pastors, this is available to you to take a hold of. Be a part of this in prayer in whatever way you can from the beginning. If you'd like to see more on the app, the, we, uh, eventually it'll be on the cord.app, and you can see our landing page there right now because we're uh, associated with the generation. It's thegeneration.com slash the cord. Thegeneration.org, sorry. Thegeneration.org slash the cord, and you can uh, find some of the info there. Thank you. Well, I trust you're already encouraged. Uh, this is not just theory right now. There is uh, boots on the ground uh, tools that God, I believe, is leading. And, of course, driven by theology, driven by the truth. In just a moment, Ron's going to come. And I'm going to just say ahead of time, Ron, I think Pastor's already telling him, just uh, whatever God's given you, go ahead and give it. I won't be long here. That's famous last words. I think I said that last night. <laughs> anyway, okay. But... Uh, uh, I think all of us recognize that uh, this is an issue that, of course, every generation faces. But with technology and with what we call what has been called the sexual revolution of the 60s, we find ourselves in an absolute mess. I tell young people on a regular basis, the free love of the 60s wasn't free and it wasn't love. <laughs> call it the expensive lust of the 60s. And it has caused major problems. If we took the whole issue of lust and it automatically disappeared there would still be huge problems. One of the problems is this particular issue causes young men, and young lady for that matter, but particularly young men, it causes them to become extremely selfish. I say this to any young man in this room who's had any length of time on pornography, you are more selfish than you realize you are. And you may never look at a pornographic site again, but your selfishness reeks, but you don't probably see it. And you've got to deal with it. The second thing is you become a good deceiver. You live a lie. You know how to put the mask on. You know how to act like you're something you're not. That's why Ryan's presentation a moment ago was so helpful because you know what that's doing? It's every 24 hours pulling the mask off and saying, I'm sick of deception. I'm going to be honest. Amen. Now, I'll tell you as a father-in-law, I can call my son-in-law up anytime and say, how was your thought life the last 24 hours? I want to ask every father-in-law in this room, how many of you can call your son-in-law and say, how was your thought life the last 24 hours? I tell you, that's a great comfort. And I know something that is encouragement to me is that because Ryan's reporting every 24 hours, I know he'll be honest. <laughs> and uh, the truth is, his wife has permission at any time to say the same thing. So the point is, you know what that is? That's getting rid of deception, saying, I'm done with it. I am done with it. I'm going to be honest. I don't care how much it hurts. I'm getting honest. <laughs> See, these two problems, the deception... And the selfishness are killing us. And every woman in this room, I just tell you, I hate to tell you this, husbands, but your wife has a radar that can detect selfishness no matter how good of an actor you are. Every woman in this room can smell when her husband's selfish. It does not matter. And that's why every man has to deal with this issue because if you got, get deceptive and you get selfish, it brings problems in the marriage, and we all know that selfishness destroys relationships. It's destroying our marriages, it's destroying our parenting, it's destroying our homes, it's destroying our churches, and hang on, it's destroying our country. Why don't we have politicians that sell us out to foreign countries? Because they looked at pornography at 13 years old, and they still do. They don't care about you, they just care about themselves. 
See, the pornography, the, the, the sexual evolution of the 60s that led to the pornography here, the 80s, 90s, and whatever, is fueling selfishness. It's killing us, and it will destroy this culture if it is not dealt with. And the only thing that's going to deal with it is revival. It's, it's learning to, to uh, look to Jesus, as we just heard. Again, these are just tools. We're trying to give you a lot of different things. A lot of things I could say except to say that there has to be a willingness. See, some of you men still are at the point where I can't do this. I just can't get. But that's your very problem. The very fact you're not willing to get honest shows that deception is still a part of the way you operate. And again, I don't have time to preach a whole message on the power of light or the power of love or the power of life. Those are the three things that I find particularly deal with impurity. They, they, uh, death is another one of those issues that comes along. There's deadness that comes into your life. And uh, so those are just some of the things that I just see now. Uh, really, I would encourage you, my burden is this. Kind of, Ron and I, it's kind of, we have a great relationship because I say, Ron, you can do what I can't do. I can't do what you do. How do you sit down and write that kind of stuff? I mean, that's amazing. But Ron, I do what Ron can't do. You know what my motivation is? To get you motivated to listen to him. <laughs> and so I'm just telling you, man, every man in this room, all of us are on a purity journey. You know, you might be into pretty good victory or you might be into sustained victory, but every one of us is on a journey. And I will tell you this, I believe renew would help every man in this room. I don't care where you are on the journey Amen. because we live in an impure world and we're all on the journey. Your battle may just be in your mind, but the point is you need to see sustained victory there. Amen. But the point is we're living in a culture that's fighting it remarkably. And so... Um, I just my burden for everybody in this room is you get all on, uh, get all in. Say I'm for this, and I'm convinced. It's like one pastor I went to his church. In fact, where Ryan gave his very first testimony about his journey, the pastor told me, and I had quoted Joe Church, who was uh, uh, influenced Roy Hesse in a remarkable way. He was a missionary down in East Africa, part of the East African revival, and he said revival is not the roof blown off; it's the bottom falling out. And that pastor told me, he said, I thought revival was the roof blowing out, but it wasn't. In our church, it was the bottom falling out. <laughs> so let's let the bottom fall out. Let's deal with these things. So as Brother Ron comes, you listen, and we uh, obviously take a little longer than we planned, so you hang tight, fasten your seatbelts, and uh, allow God to work in your heart. It is a real blessing to just partner with what's happening with Renew and our ministry, Precious Stones Biblical Counseling Ministries, really serves churches all over the U.S. in an intensive kind of way for those who are desperately looking for help. And the number one issue that we primarily assist folks with is the area of sexual addiction. Helping whole families be able to move forward. We never sin for free. Someone pays the price, and whenever we yield to sexual bondage, it's often our families that pay the heaviest price. And I'm so grateful we serve a God that majors in redemption. God's concerned about taking all of us right where we are to where He wants us to be. And so we're grateful for all the work that's been done already with Renew. I certainly feel extremely humbled as uh, we've been invited to participate in this. I feel like as I work in the emergency room literally every week of my life, I'm overwhelmed with the incredible need. And I'm just reminded as Moses uh, saw uh, the people of Israel in bondage in Egypt... He too was overwhelmed with just the oppression that God's people were under. And initially he thought, well, I can rise to the occasion and deliver them, only to discover when he whipped out the sword and killed one of the Egyptians, he discovered, no, this is going to take something supernatural. Yeah. 
And God, 40 years later, made him the man that was able to deliver many to freedom. And it came in a way he wasn't expecting. And I really believe as we anticipate what God wants to do in this generation, God's people are experiencing a different kind of bondage. We're not in a bondage under some uh, foreign power, but we're in bondage to YouTube, and we're in bondage to uh, other uh, means of uh, sexual addiction and so on and so forth. And I'm grateful that God's on a mission in a supernatural way to be the I am that can lead us forward to lasting freedom in Christ. You're receiving a handout, and I'm just going to take just a few minutes here uh, to walk through eight keys to moral freedom. I want to just, as you're receiving that, uh, I want to just uh, ponder for just a moment to the beauty of purity. Sometimes, perhaps, when we think about the concept of purity, perhaps immediately what comes to your mind is, oh, no, a dark picture of of uh, boundaries and accountability and uh, fences and uh, all the do's and don'ts, primarily more don'ts than do's, and freedom does not look like something necessarily inviting, um, except for the fact that we're miserable in the state that we are, trapped by the enemy. And I'd like for us to just ponder just for a moment, I'm getting to the notes, we'll be there in just a moment, but... Purity is an incredibly beautiful thing. Do you realize when we open this book, we get the most incredible portrait of purity in the first two chapters of the Bible? And as we close this book, coming to the last two chapters of this awesome book, it closes again with one of the most awesome portraits of purity. And everything in the middle between those respective chapters lays out God's awesome mission to restore His image in us. And that image in us is never more fully reflected than through a heart marked by purity. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 gives us these words. It says that, we have been wa- that He has loved us and washed us and then crowned us as kings and priests unto God. I love that progression. We are washed. Let me step back. We are loved. We are washed, and we are crowned. And as we realize that we've been ordained to royalty, walking as royalty demands purity. And I just want to lift our perspective. Our sexual drive is an awesome gift It is not your curse. It's a very sacred stewardship. It has everything to do with enlarging your capacity for God. And it's no mistake about it. When Jesus opens Revelation, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, he gives us this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purity affects the trajectory and the influence of your life like no other single factor. Purity impacts the health of your marriage. Purity influences the spiritual trajectory of your children. Purity defines the difference between ministry that's marked simply by busy religiosity versus fruitful investment in the lives of people. It's the matter of purity that can make the difference in ministry, making it marked by loving leadership versus spiritually abusive leadership. Purity is something so powerful, it's a very secret to personal revival and corporate revival. 
And so I'm just uh, grateful for uh, the awesomeness of purity and uh, what that means for our lives. A life marked by purity is a life alive with the power of God. A, a marriage that's cultivated by purity is a marriage alive with the love of God. And a home that's permeated by purity is a home alive with the presence of God. And a ministry alive with purity is a ministry alive with the fruitfulness of God. I want to draw your attention there to your handout titled, I Am Come to Deliver, Experiencing the I Am for Moral Freedom. And I want to just walk through eight keys to moral freedom. Perhaps we could call these eight elements of moral freedom. Uh, All of these I have found to be extremely important in defining what does moral purity look like. Because the goal line of moral purity is not just avoiding the illicit and the explicit, but the goal of moral purity is I want to see God. And so as we consider that, I want us to first consider that purity is the pursuit of the presence of God, not just avoiding the temptations of the enemy. That's a revolutionary perspective as we anticipate what God wants to do in all all of our lives in the context of purity. God is not leading us out of bondage for us to just sit. He's leading us to a goal line of experiencing himself. The pure in heart shall see God. I already mentioned this, but I love the beauty of the first chapters of the Bible, and I'm confident that there is no uh, paintbrush or palette of colors that could possibly do full justice to somehow capture the beauty of purity that was true in the world before the fall. It's an incredible scene as we have Adam and Eve in that perfect garden, They never had a concept for what anger looked like. They had not even the concept of what the word lust would mean. They lived in literally the beauty of holiness. And as they were image bearers of God, the enemy understood that if he could defile and vandalize their, uh, their walk with God, it would absolutely devastate the rest of humanity, devastate their lives and our lives to follow. And the enemy's most powerful tool to perpetuate his work of vandalism in God's awesome creation of us has absolutely been targeting the sexual arena. I'm encouraged by Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 and then as we see the fulfillment of that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he's come to redeem his perfect image in all of us, And along that line to actually restore purity in our lives. I really am challenged by uh, the second point. Moral purity is the recalibration of our conscience to the standard of divine purity. It's not just a commitment to avoid the illicit or the explicit. I am amazed as I'm talking with guys literally every week. We're helping families every week. Uh, I'm always amazed how often those who are uh, in their journey to freedom somehow feel like they're not necessarily in bondage because they haven't done anything illegal. Uh, Their standard for purity is a very low bar. And I'm just impressed with the fact as God is calling us to purity, he's not just calling us simply to the measuring stick of not viewing pornography. 
He's not just simply calling us to the measuring stick of not committing something that's illegal. Uh, not touching some, someone in an inappropriate way that's going to land us in prison. God is calling us to a standard of, of, uh, of purity that is all about matching his own character. As I think about the purifying process of golden ore, do you realize that it's not the gold that defines its pureness? It's the refiner that defines its pureness. As we consider more purity, the biggest work that God wants to do is to not just deliver me from the most explicit vices, but the deepest work God wants to do in my life and in every one of us is to recalibrate our conscience so that now we match the standard of the pure one. Moral purity is all about the appropriation of the divine nature. It's not just the acknowledgement of my human weakness. Timothy said, we live in perilous times. That was true in his day, and that is exponentially true in our day. There are nets and snares on every side of us, and many of those uh, take the form of sexual bondage, sexual bait. And I am encouraged by the fact that while we all are acutely aware of our human inadequacy, moral purity is all about introducing us to not just the I can, but the I am. The Lord Jesus is not just one who came to help us to do something different than living the bondage we've always lived. He is holiness. He is purity. And I'm reminding guys every week, I'm reminding them from 1 Peter, today God has given you everything, everything you need for life and godliness so that you can be a partaker of the divine nature. God doesn't just want to be the I can for you. He wants to be your I am. And everything that we need in the realm of living purely in an impure world is not just a list of do's and don'ts that he wants to enable us to do. He wants to impart his very nature that allows us to demonstrate his own purity. Moral purity is the transformation of my affection, not just the modification of my behavior. Do you know that the biggest mark of moral purity is not primarily a difference in the choices I make, viewing or otherwise, but the real mark of purity is where my love is. I'm impressed that by the fact that moral purity is all about God transforming what I love. God wants to help me to love what he loves, and he wants to help me to hate what he hates. The fear of the Lord is to not just know what's wrong and do what's right, but Proverbs 8.13 says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And there is not a more freeing threshold of moral purity in our lives than the moment we've gone from just knowing what we should do, avoiding what we shouldn't, to coming to a place where our affection is now united with the Spirit of God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 86. It says, the psalmist said, Lord, unite, unite my heart to fear thy name. Paul said this, set your affection singular on things above, not on things on the earth. The enemy is all about dividing our affections and splintering our affections to many loves. 
But the Holy Spirit is all about uniting our love and so singularly in union and love with the Holy Spirit of God. I like to pray for myself personally and invite others that I'm working with to pray, Lord, would you unite my heart to fear my, your name? Purity is marked by the transformation of my affection. And then also moral purity is marked by the resensitization of our emotions, not just a new resolve of our will. Do you know I work with uh, crisis situations all the time. I'm on the phone with crisis situations literally every week. And so as I'm investing in the lives of people, I'm often amazed and encouraged to see progress in the lives of those who've seen God help them take decisive steps forward uh, in moral freedom. But many of those I find as I'm helping not just the men, but helping whole families move forward, uh, find themselves in a place where their love has absolutely been slaughtered and killed. Their ability to feel has absolutely been destroyed. And while technically they're walking a life of moral freedom, there's a sense where relationally they, their um, lives remain unchanged. Uh, wives still feel the distance that was always felt before, and children feel the distance that was felt before, and, and, there's the, and, and feeling and emotion has completely been slaughtered. And I'm just reminding folks that as God is bringing you to moral f- purity, he's not delivering you to a place of making simply right choices, but he's wanting to restore you relationally. He's wanting to restore your ability to feel again. He's wanting to restore your ability to love again. He's wanting to restore your ability to receive love again. And as we do that, that's not just something God wants to do on a horizontal level in relationships we have horizontally, but it's also a dynamic God wants to restore vertically. We find in Ephesians chapter 4... It says that uh, we're, we're, we're reminded about uh, the importance of not grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And one thing I'm amazed about is as God is leading us to moral purity, God's not just a matter of leading us to a place of saying yes, walking in obedience to a list of do's and don'ts. But God is wanting to resensitize me to what grieves the Spirit of God. God is wanting to uh, resensitize my personal relationship with the Spirit of God. And then I'm also encouraged with the fact that moral purity is a daily initiative. A daily initiative to make no provision for the flesh. Not just a hopeful desire to escape deliverance. I hope every day you get out of bed, you are very hopeful that today will be a day of victory in Jesus. That ought to be our desire every day we step on into uh, the responsibilities of life. But do you know, simply hoping for that awesome reality is not going to be enough to lead us to success. Victory is something we have to plan for. It doesn't just happen. And I like Paul's words out of uh, Romans chapter 13, where he encourages us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Do you realize that the battle for victory does not start at the moment of temptation, but it often starts minutes, hours, 
sometimes even days before the crises. And I really believe the more we can discover the importance of daily initiative, not waiting for others to coach us, not waiting for others to hold our hand, but we're the ones taking the initiative to make no provision for the flesh and makes all the difference in the world. And then also, moral freedom is marked by a divine commission to spiritual conquest. It's not just a commemoration of spiritual deliverance. I'm confident in this room we can reflect on a day, several of you can reflect on a day where God brought you to moral freedom. The day of full disclosure, a day of being able to be released from the bondage that the enemy had you in. And you know it's possible as we uh, reflect on that day as a day that almost carries the kind of significance of our personal salvation, it can be possible that we stay stuck in only reflecting on that as a as a historical event that happened on our journey of freedom with Christ without recognizing that God is calling us to invest in the lives of other broken lives. Often I'm amazed how the ones that need our help the most are actually women and children right under our care. Um, We never sin for free, and as God is bringing us to freedom, God is not just bringing us to freedom for us to sit, but he's calling us to freedom for us He's calling us to freedom for us to invest in the lives of others that have been deeply hurt, deeply wounded, uh, deeply shackled, shackled by the enemy. I'm amazed as we look at Jesus' words in Matthew 12, and I realize the context for this, Jesus is trying to make another point, but I think its application is so significant for our lives. Jesus said, when the strong man comes into a home, he binds the strong man. When the enemy comes into the home, he binds the strong man. And everyone else under his care comes for free. Now Jesus made that point to make a very important point in his um, defense of his his deity. But I'm amazed as I work in counseling how often that same principle ends up applying in so many homes. The enemy understands if he can bind the strong man, wife and children do come for free. And what I am encouraged about moral freedom is God's not just wanting to release us men from our inner personal bondage, but he's wanting to deploy us to do great exploits for him in rescuing those under our care from insecurity or from bondage or to help restore their relationship with God that's been profoundly wounded by our hypocrisy. God is calling us to a divine commission to spiritual conquest. And finally, I just want to draw our attention to the fact that Moral freedom is marked by the selfless investment in the healing of the wounded, not just an impulsive confession for the relief of my guilt. Do you know, as we come to moral freedom, it has been emphasized so profoundly over the last couple days that transparency is always first base to coming to freedom morally. The enemy always wields great destruction through secrecy. And the greatest chain that binds us is not so much the vice as it is our commitment to secrecy. When we can come to transparency, it gives us traction to be able to take the next steps that carry great significance for our moral freedom and also for the release of others. But I've just realized that confession by itself is not enough to accomplish everything that needs to be done in restoring the damage that's been done. 
And one of the biggest keys I really believe that I think makes the Renew series unique is that it is an investment in helping us to understand the responsibility we carry, not just in coming to transparency for ourselves, but empowering us to understand how to meaningfully, selflessly invest in the lives of those whose trust we've broken, notice this, until their pain is gone. That's really important. That's not uh, usually something that happens in a one-night conversation. It's not something that usually happens in the course of simply one week. It ought to be a commitment in all of our lives that, is, that we're willing to do whatever it takes, even if it's a lifetime, to make the difference in investing in the healing of the wounded. I simply want to close with these words uh, given to us in Exodus chapter 3. And as we uh, are here for the I Am conference, I'm always uh, amazed at the application of these um, verses to so many areas of our lives. But I simply want to draw your attention to just a couple verses. Exodus chapter 2 says this, I want to read in verse 23, it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. They cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning. God heard and God remembered his covenant. And now I'd like to jump down to chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen I've seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, not just to deliver them out, but keep reading, and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large into a land flowing with milk and honey unto a place of conquest a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. I simply want to leave you with these thoughts. God sees our need. God hears our cry. Are we desperate? And God has come down to deliver. I'd like to just uh, invite us to bow our heads before the Lord, and I know God's uh, working in all of our lives. I'm going to offer just a few thought-provoking questions that I think are questions every single one of us have to answer in our own personal journey, and I think can just be a meaningful conclusion as we uh, step forward to what God wants to do in our lives. I'm grateful that purity is not Uh, dependent on having a book and a video series in our hands, but we're looking to the I Am who's presently available in every one of our lives. And in these, uh, as we just take a moment before the Lord, I want us to just consider just between you and the Lord, how desperate are you to see God in your life? How desperate are you to see God in your marriage, in your home, and in your ministry? What impurity is is God putting his finger on in your life from the past or the present that possibly could be obscuring your experience of God? Is God putting something 
his finger on something in your life in response to this session. I'm confident God wants to take us from this place today to a place of liberating freedom. Would you consider what step is God calling you to take this week to stand on holy ground? Oh, the invitation that was made to Moses is an invitation that's being made to every one of us to stand on holy ground, to take off defiled shoes, and to stand on holy ground. Perhaps that stepping stone for you this week is a stepping stone of honesty, or perhaps the stepping stone of investment. Perhaps it has something to do in your pursuit of God devotionally. We had a session yesterday on the hour of prayer with God. Do you sense moral oppression or bondage in your home today, but you can't precisely identify where those issues lie? I want to encourage you that God sees, God hears, God cares. And God has come to deliver your home. I love to pray whenever I sense there's a need in my home or there's a need in a family in my church or there's a need in a friend. I sense there's a need, but I can't necessarily put my finger on where that issue lies. I love to pray, Lord, you know the deep and secret things. You know what is in the darkness and the light dwells with you. I just want to invite you, if God has impressed a need that you necessarily can't put your finger on, but you sense God wants to set someone free, would you be willing to just pray, Daniel 2.22, Lord, show us everything that's relevant to our freedom. Is there someone you've prayed for, for moral deliverance, and yet, even to this day, they remain unchanged? I'm encouraged that God never gave up on his people in Egypt, even though there was a 40-year time period before God brought the deliverance they were looking for. And I'm convinced that God wants to do the same in every one of our homes. Just because we don't see that change happening today doesn't mean God's not working. I just want to encourage our faith today God cares. No one cares for all of our purity more than the Holy One. And finally, have you come to moral freedom? And you could confidently say, boy, before the Lord, God has done a rescuing, redemptive work in my soul. My question for you is, are you today spiritually passive in your marriage or in your family? In ministry, pursuit of God, today, how's God calling you to engage for the freedom of others? I promise you, God has not set you free for you to just celebrate his deliverance. He set you free to deploy you for service. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, fit for the master's use. Oh, Father, we come to you today. Lord, the enemy understands better than we do 
how strategic our moral purity is. Father, thank you that the way we see God is walking in purity. Father, would you take every single one of us in this room today where we are to where we need to be with you. Oh, Lord, would you recalibrate us? Would you resensitize us? Oh, Lord, would you deploy us to the rescue of others? We pray this because you care. 